White Cloud feed to the right, back in front. White Cloud scores! White Cloud bearing down on the goal, straight down the middle. Went to the outside right for Stone. Stone tapped it right back to White Cloud. The righty rips it home. Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Michael, nine seconds through the left circle. Number nine closing in. He scores! It's an overtime winner. Jack Eichel, 2-1 Golden Knights with six seconds to go. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Bushel of points. But our focus tonight uh, from T Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas, the VGK Insider Show, teeing up the New York Rangers against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Vegas back home after a very successful four game road trip in which they collected six of eight points and uh, trying to uh, get something going at home. I, I think the home record is a little bit of uh, a victim of the road success mm-hmm. in the sense of it, it doesn't look as good to the road record, but you still like to be more than a couple of games above 500 here. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you're you're absolutely right. I, for the Golden Knights, you, you probably uh, want a, at least two or three more wins here at home, but I, I don't think you want to sacrifice anything that they're doing on the road. Like, they're finding points on the road. That's where it's hardest to win, so continue to work that in. But for the Golden Knights now, it's just about finding a little bit more consistently consistency in the result at home. So they're nineteen seven and one. Yeah, everybody's happy with that. Yeah. Are you greedy because you want the home record to be, I don't know, ten and three, or nine and four, something along that line? Are you greedy, or is it just that the home we love it here and the players love it here and the circumstance that that is certain like they they played. Um, San Jose, who is, who is actually playing decent at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vancouver was playing their best hockey of the year yeah. at the time. Seattle was right in the middle of their heater mm-hmm. at the time. Some of that's circumstantial, not making excuses, but that's the reality of it. Uh, you still want to win those, those hockey games. But 19-7-1 uh, is exactly where you would love to be. You embrace that. Uh, it's just that it's kind of flipped in the, in the opposite direction of, of what is normal. So you, you kind of have trouble digesting it. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're asking me, I, I'm greedy. I want to see a win every single time the Golden Knights play on home. But 12-2-1 like, is unprecedented I, no, no, on the road. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and, like, I would much rather a team kind of have that prolific of a road record because that means they're able to find ways to win on the road and that's one of the hardest things to do in the league but from from that perspective like I think the Golden Knights 
home record is probably a victim of some circumstance more than anything else. Yeah. You know, we've talked about coming home after that game in Buffalo. It's nine wins in a row. It's five wins, uh, sweeping a five-game road trip. And you've got a team in St. Louis that's already waiting for you. And then you kind of struggle to get right they, back. And they were playing better at and that they, time, too. They were. Uh, Jordan Bennington was focused on stopping pucks. And then you go from that to... You know, the next kind of extended homestand is right around uh, Thanksgiving. And I think that there are natural distractions that bleed into your game, and that's kind of what happened to the Golden Knights. But I I do look at this three-game homestand as an opportunity to kind of pivot from what it's been already this year, and I expect the Golden Knights to play well over the next three games. Well, Rangers have a better record on the road than at home as well. So keep that in mind as, as you size up uh, wins and losses and possibilities. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers are—I don't know what you're getting night to night uh, oh, no. with, with that team. Or, <laughs> I don't or think Carter Torch Hart, does either. Carter Hart could yeah. do, could be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carter Hart could be a uh, uh, victim of of that team's uh, talent level. And then the Boston Bruins—that's going to be a tough game. They're, they're starting their road trip uh, against the Colorado Avalanche tonight. As they come out west on a three-game trip, they'll wrap it up against the the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, there'll be a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So uh, it uh, it doesn't seem as easy as it looks when you think, oh, there's three Eastern Conference teams coming through. Mm-hmm. Let's take advantage of them. Uh, it's uh, it's a little different than that. No, it's not that. It, you know, I think that this game is a good opener for the Golden Knights on this homestand because you have teams that are in similar situations with the travel, having both played on Monday night on on the East Coast. Uh, but again, I, I don't look at this as an easy homestand, but I do think it's a homestand where the Golden Knights can get a couple of decisions to go their way. And if they do, all of a sudden you can build a little bit of, of that momentum on home ice. We have Bruce Cassidy uh, on the way and just want to run through some of the conversation topics uh, that he will cover because sometimes the questions get a little long and Mm -hmm. it it sounds like, oh, what's going on with my radio? Just uh, bear with us. But I want to give you the conversation topics so uh, you are uh, up to date uh, and you'll be able to dial it in when when he starts giving the answers. Uh, One is uh, Alex Petrangelo, his status, and uh, you'll get the update there, but uh, Petrangelo will not play. Uh, Brett Howden and uh, Jack uh, Eichel uh, on their uh, possibilities of playing. Uh, Ron Bjerg has been recalled, and uh, the idea of uh, getting an update on what Jonas Ron season has been like, uh, how he goes about that. Uh, looking for an identity for the third line is something, and uh, also the fourth line and that balance. Uh, the Rangers are brought up in this, uh, along with Paul Cotter of uh, being um, on the power play this morning at the uh, the morning skate. But it all starts uh, with some travel uh, conversation going east coast to west and uh, and coming back and being ready to go and being able to dial it in after what they experienced in the first game back following the sweep of that five-game road trip earlier in the season. Here's Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this happened a lot. We get back, we're right back at it. So hopefully everyone's adjusted. You know, it takes a little bit, uh, body clock, et cetera, mental focus. So uh, we've done it a few times now, so hopefully we're better prepared. Yeah, it's travel and schedule intensity. I just felt we were always lighter at the start of the year. So let's say we came back from a trip like 
Monday. We wouldn't play till Thursday. You know, you get that extra day. Like today would have been a, just a normal practice day after a day off, and you're kind of reconnecting with, you know, those that have families and just yourself and your sort of time clock. So that's been a big difference too, the, the amount of games. Um, the travel between games, it's, it, we were t joking about that. Pittsburgh to Columbus, I think, was 29-minute flight. You know, you're just – so you're going city to city there, Ottawa to – Montreal, Toronto, like they're all so close where that that's the biggest difference too is in the middle of your travel, you're a lot more, you know, you're closer, you're on the ground, you're in your hotel by 12.30, 1 o'clock at the latest same time zone, whereas out here it's you're, you're switching a lot. So that that's just something you got to get used to. I guess the guys have, obviously. We're playing well on the road. Um, it's the coming back part here right now that I think we're will be the challenge for me and figure it out and how to get the team best prepared. How, you know, how do you – Use your you know your short time between games. I don't really. He's unavailable tonight, so that's one of those ones that we're um, we're working with Alex and supporting him. Um, and when he's ready, he'll uh, he'll come back. Who who sorry? Jack uh, Jack's day to day, so he didn't skate today. Um, I talked to him, he's feeling better. That's a positive, but not ready to go. Uh, and and uh, how he's here, he was doing his off ice stuff, but he's not on the ice yet. So I guess the best I'd tell you is till they're on the ice, it's hard to, I, I can't tell you that, that, you know, it'll be a certain day. They got to get on the ice and then we usually have a better timeline. Well, uh, I talked to Manny first. His opinion matters much more than what I've seen. I've seen very little, to be honest with you. With our schedule, you see, you just—it's more about word of mouth from Kelly in touch with uh, with him and myself with Manny and the coaches. So um, he's played well in every facet. He's been on the power play. He's predominantly more of a penalty kill, slanted type of guy for up here. Uh, he's added offense down there that we didn't necessarily see in training camp. So um, he's been a better player down there since he's been assigned than maybe what he showed in training camp. That's, you know, what I was told. And um, we're looking for a, a different flavor on that line. We'll continue to, to see if we can get that line uh, to be effective. And sometimes it's different people. Sometimes it's what we ask of them, et cetera. But Ronnie is a left shot on his normal side. Uh, he does check well. Uh, he can help with penalty kill. Good skater. Um, so hopefully that part of his game is good with that line. Yeah. Well, I know what I'd like it to be. It just you can't make players something they're not. Um, you know, in a perfect world, there'd be some similarities to the to the carrier Colasar physical people that that maybe have a little more offensively tilted game. Um, but that's not Phil. We know that uh, it is Nick Waugh, So that's why we moved him up. And if we could find the right left winger to complement both of those guys, then we'll have something. So. Until we do, we'll keep trying. Paul Cotter could be that guy. You know, um, he's a guy that can play north. Good, in, we saw him in Boston. Like all his best attributes came through in Boston. We thank you for that, Paul. By the way, um, and but you know, we don't expect him to score two goals every night. But to give us some of that flavor of the game is what we'd like to see for a young guy, and then be consistent with it. And hopefully, some of those big nights come through for you. Um, but right now, he's moved up because of that. He, we feel he has some of that in his game, and. Guys that are maybe farther along, like the Stevies and the Stoney, can help them with that. They've done a good job working with them. I've seen it. I heard it on the bench. So, um, But that's what we're kind of looking for. I would like to have that type of line that can play in any type of game, four-check game, 
um, check well in close scoring games, and secondary offense because we have some guys at the top of the lineup that are giving us good offensive numbers, so we don't necessarily need just an offensive line. We need a 200-foot uh, heavier type of game line, I think would be the, the best way to describe it. Well, Jake's best position is with that line. So he, he fills in. He knows how to check. He knows how to play north-south. He adds some four-check speed. Doesn't have Nick's size or puck skills right now. Could down the road, won't have a size, but may, maybe gets more comfortable playing with the puck. Um, it's better with Nick because Nick's farther along in his career. I'm just stating the obvious. I don't think there's been a tremendous drop-off, no. I think some pucks went in for Will early on. They went in in Columbus. Where was Jake Lecician? Right in front of the goalie, taking away his eyes, doing exactly what Nick would have done or, or Coley, whoever's turn it was. So uh, I still think that that line is functioning well for what we're asking of it. Um, so we're asking Nick to pull a, a few players in on the third line and see if he can get that one up and running. It's still um, a work in progress. It's also still early December. So we got, we got some time to sort through that. Well, we could have moved Nick Waugh up and, and Stevie stayed on left wing and sort of kept at that look. And now you got a, a, a one line that's very young. Um, Hamill would have to go back in the middle. You know, we, we prefer him on the wing right now. Um, so that's what we chose. We chose Paul to give a young guy an opportunity. We're going to move, we could have moved Will up, which takes away from the fourth line, which we did a little bit when Jack went out in Detroit or. When Jack got hit in Columbus, we moved well up. So there's always those things you look at, but how much you're taking away from one to get to the other, I mean, that's, and you hope it works out. It did in Boston, like I said with Paul. We'll see tonight. You know, one of the question marks with Paul is consistent every night, might not score. You can't beat yourself up, you don't, but bring the same attributes. So those are the um, growing pains with younger players that are trying to find the, their level at, um, you know, in the NHL. And so that's what we're going to try to do. If it doesn't work, and we may go the other route and sacrifice from another line and, and live with it. On the subject of Paul, it just looks like the opportunities keep coming to power play and today. Yeah, well, we had Ammo there the other day. And if Ammo's out, then um, the next guy, you know, going through it could be Will. We, we used Will. So we're, we're searching a little bit for that, trying to reward different guys. We're starting to, trying to build Will a little more into the PK as well. Um, we haven't taken a ton of penalties. We did in Boston the other night. It's five on three, so that's not going to be Will or four on three. So we didn't get a, much of a look at him the other night, but um, it could be Will as well tonight. But we're going to give throw Paul a bone a little bit. He's, he's playing with Stevie and, um, and Stoney anyway, so it's an easy, you know, they're rolling out as a line, so that might help him a little bit too. Well, you know, we could not skate this morning. We could have brought them in yesterday. So you could just show up tonight at the rink and do nothing. So there's probably two or three approaches. Um, I don't like the last one much because, you know, you're going in blind a little bit, but it might be the best way to get the most rest. Um, I don't have a great answer for that, Gary, yet. I still get my, uh, my head around it, to be honest with you, and what, 
you know, what's best. Uh, I guess the one good thing is you got New York coming out here after, you know, this is their first game, so they've got a little adjusting. I think St. Louis was already out here when, when they went through it. They, in Arizona or, you know what I mean, L.A. or something. So they might have had a leg up on, in that part. I don't think our start was terrible against St. Louis. If you recall, it was our second period started to get away from us, which has been a trend no matter what this year, so it's certainly something we want to address. But um, our start was okay. We just got to keep playing through it after that. There's Bruce Cassidy this morning ahead of the game tonight against the New York Rangers in which the Golden Knights will face an original six team for the third straight game. Now that's uh, one of the quirks in the schedule. Sure is. Uh, I think it's a good thing for the Vegas Golden Knights because, as you mentioned, Darren, you always get up for original six matchups. And I think, you know, if you're if you're looking for a little bit of extra juice, uh, it certainly has it with the New York Rangers coming to T-Mobile Arena tonight. 31st franchise feels like one of the original six right now, where it's always the Rangers or Detroit uh, or the Boston Bruins uh, along that line. Uh, one of the biggest stretches they've ever had against the original six uh, team. Uh, anything jump out at you from what you heard from, from Bruce, whether it's getting ready to play tonight or the power play or Will Carrier and his development? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Obviously, you're you're looking for expanding roles for certain players. I, I like the the bit about wanting to get Will Carrier onto the penalty kill a little bit more special teams time. That means more ice time in theory for Will Carrier, and he's certainly earned that. I, I do like the the ideas we've talked about of, of putting Paul Cotter on the power play, uh, give him a little bit of a reward, but also have that familiarity with Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone build more and more chemistry because that's the line and then the the just the idea right of you put paul cotter you elevate him in that role because of what you're trying to preserve the rest of your lineup and that to me was a really important aspect of the win in boston is that you didn't pull away one of the misfits from that line you didn't pull away uh, will Carrier from a fourth line that has been going in so in, so incredibly consistent for the gold knights you were able to maximize those those familiar lines and, and to me i thought the misfits played a, a phenomenal game in boston uh, they were really good uh, my favorite moment outside of bruce cassidy winning that game and gaining a little bit of revenge mm-hmm. was riley smith that's the second time this year where he scored a goal where we've seen like just incredible emotion out of what is normally a relatively reserved person on the ice. Uh, I wouldn't call him anywhere in the stratosphere of Mark Stone mm-hmm. by any means. Uh, I wouldn't call him a stick in the mud either. But I loved him him coming down the ice, sticking the tongue out and just, yeah. Uh, that, that, that was an awesome look from Riley Smith. Yeah, it's good. He's having fun. And I, I think that there's there's a degree of that. But there's also, I think, you know, we've we've talked about this Golden Knights team and throughout their DNA, throughout their history, uh, it has been a part of this team to have big performances uh, in games that really matter to individual players or coaches, whatever it may be. And, and I think just the ability to go out and be a part of, of that victory for Bruce Cassidy in Boston meant a lot to the team in, in the locker room. Went with the same lineup for a long time and a couple of different stretches up front and for, I think, uh, 22 straight games on the back end. Yeah. Uh, but now you've got uh, some some different looks. Uh, Mir Manov has played the last couple, and he's shown himself. I love watching him play. He's good. Like he, he's he, fun. He just he he looks like um, he's just having a great time out there. But there's some uh, like a, a 
loopiness to his big arms, big legs, and, and just uh, covers a lot of area in, in a short amount of time. Uh, no fear factor uh, at all. A lot of fun, a lot of enjoyment in the game, and I, I can't get enough of uh, Mir Manov. Now, on the, on the forward side of it, um, we've, we've witnessed numerous different looks to that one line in particular mm-hmm. in, in the third line, and Jonas Rombierk has been uh, recalled, so that could be an, another different uh, display uh, tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights as they continue to try and dial something in to what the coach wants but admits that maybe the personnel doesn't fit what his ideal third line is. Yeah, and that's a really interesting thought experiment for, for Bruce Cassidy and the Golden Knights because you, you hear him talk about what, you know, what he wants out of that third line to be uh, similar in nature to what you get out of you know, Will Carrier, Jake LeCision, or Brett Howden in that spot, and, and Keegan Colasar, a line that can go out, that can give you some energy, that can provide offense when you need it, secondary scoring. More along the line of a top six and a bottom six. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And when you can rely on maybe your bottom six to come out in, in, in even or better in certain situations, or uh, you can rely on them in defensive zone starts, all that stuff, it, it becomes a little bit easier and, and tilts the, the, the ice in your favor for your top play to go out and be your top players. Now, he he recognizes that that's maybe not Phil Kessel. However, when you put Phil Kessel with a player like Nick Waugh, who I believe is defensively responsible, who can grow and play that style of game, and you start to build a little bit of chemistry with those two, maybe you have something you can build on. Now it becomes... What's that next piece with Jonas Ronberg potentially playing tonight? Uh, I, I think we know what he can do at the NHL level. He can forecheck well. He can be really relentless on pucks. And that's what you're kind of hoping for, I think, in this spot. Paul Cotter, when, when, everything's, when everyone gets back, when everything's kind of healthy for the Golden Knights again, I, I think that Paul Cotter, with a little bit more confidence, can certainly be something that you rely on there too. But, but it, it's a work in progress right now on the third line for the Golden well, Knights. The question for Ronberg is not if he's comfortable in this position, mm-hmm. but can he produce enough? Sure. Yeah. Now, Paul Cotter turned that corner pretty quickly this year uh, after getting a look in seven games last season. Ron Bierk had a lot more than that, but same same sort of totals. Yeah, and, and that's going to be, you know, I think for any young player, right, trying to break in, in in that type of a spot is can you chip in a goal here and there if you're getting looks? And we've seen Jonas Ron Bierk get a lot of looks for the Golden Knights, the puck just hasn't really fallen for him yet. So uh, I, I hope that he takes advantage of an opportunity. Like every time some of these young kids get a look in the league, all you want is for them to be able to take advantage of it. He will play in front of, in a National Hockey League regular season game, in front of the head coach uh, for the first time. That didn't phase Dmitry, uh, Daniil Mirmanov at all, <laughs> as Daniil was uh, outstanding yeah. uh, in his uh, two looks. Uh, there's a, a, a sort of... A, a learning on the fly with him too. D- defending mm-hmm. uh, is going to be the thing that uh, he's going to have to work on and uh, and really uh, get better at. But the offensive instincts are there uh, from him, which uh, which makes him so much fun. There was a shift uh, the other night uh, in the Detroit game mm-hmm. where it took like three shots, two missed 
two missed wide, yeah. and then another one were a, was a sort of a slap pass uh, down to William Carlson. Yeah. How does a guy get three shot opportunities in one shift? But he was right there, top of the circle, mm-hmm. and in, in, a, in, a, in a lane that was able to get in the puck. So I think there's some, some possibilities with uh, Alex Petrangelo, and we're not sure when he's going to be back. Uh, he's dealing with a, with a family illness, uh, mm-hmm. hasn't played in the four games on the road. So uh, this is... Uh, this is a chance for the organization to see a little bit more of, of what they had dealing with a first uh, third that's been really healthy. Yeah, for sure. You always want to, to try to collect as much data as possible and, and recognize where players are in their development. And for Daniil Miramanov, uh, this is just a guy that plays free. I, I love watching him play like you do because the instincts in the offensive zone are there. He tries things, which is which is nice. But I, I, I've really liked there's been poise in his game in his own zone. There's been you know a sure-handedness that he's had when he's kind of gone back to pucks and, and recognized what he was going to do and then did it. Um, and it's it's he's six foot four. Nick Hague six foot six. Like that is a really tall. Yeah. Long, long defensive pair. Yeah. And you know what? If if those two guys can kind of work in concert and use their length to their advantage in their own zone, that can also be a, something that Daniel Mangley, right? Yeah. Yeah. But but again, like if you start to think about it from from a defending standpoint, if if you could use that length to your advantage, then that's a good thing for Vegas. Wonder how if they reach their arms out and touch fists <laughs> yeah. at center ice. Yep. And they take the other hand and they reach with their sticks out. Yep. Wonder how close they are to the boards with those two. I think pretty close. No, they're not. I'd be surprised if they were the tallest defensive tandem in the in the league's history. Sure. But there's uh, there's certainly a and, and long arms <laughs> like that 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 uh, describes those guys uh, perfectly. So we'll we'll, we'll watch that. Um, Ron Bjerg. And Miramanov, uh, two guys to uh, keep an eye on as the Silver Knights with Cotter, with Thompson. S- you're starting to see that uh, growth within the organization uh, here in year number six where people are being promoted and starting to play uh, impactful roles. Some uh, really uh, big time with Logan Thompson mm-hmm. and Paul Cotter moving his way in there and the others knocking on the door like Miramanov and Ron Bierk. Uh, we're going to take a break, uh, but before we do so, we've got a couple of tickets to give away to see the Boston Bruins on Sunday, the return matchup. So weird how the schedule works sometimes. Yeah, it so is. You can have basically a home-and-home home, mm-hmm. uh, with, with somebody from the other conference. You want to go to the Boston Bruins game against the Vegas Golden Knights this Sunday. Call us now at 702-876-1340 and be caller number 12 caller number 12 and we will send you to that game right here at the fortress coming up next it's one timers news notes around the national hockey league in fox sports las vegas maybe a two-on-one petrangelo gets it he shoots he scores it's time for one timers one timers short-handed goal alex petrangelo quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the vgk insiders show no lead is safe in the national hockey league Except for the one tonight in Columbus. <laughs> Buffalo Sabres lead the Blue Jackets 6 nothing. Yep. after the first period. Yep. This, this lead is so insurmountable that the Buffalo Sabres have more goals than the Columbus Blue Jackets have shots in this game. Mm-hmm. The Buffalo Sabres 
have more goals from Tage Thompson than the Buffalo, than the Columbus Blue Jackets. That, that's, it's, it's ridiculous what's happening. And I fully admit, and uh, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but I want to make sure everybody's aware of it. I was wrong about Tage Thompson. <laughs> I thought, I thought that they jumped the gun on the contract yeah. with Tage Thompson. Scored 38 goals last year, yep. but uh, an unrepeatable shooting percentage mm-hmm. and went from like 0 to 150 with the goal scoring production. 38 goals last year, couldn't do it again. I said that was that was too eager. He's on pace for 65. He has four goals in the first period tonight for the Buffalo Sabres in a 6-0 advantage. That leads safe. It may get closer. Columbus may score a couple, but but the, the result... No, the no. result is not in in doubt tonight, uh, and and we we've, we've had a nine eight game this year. Yep, yep. We had the great seven six game the other night, Vancouver and Montreal. We've had some awesome high scoring games. If we don't get ten total goals out of this one, because it's just gonna it's just gonna turn into a score fest. Everybody wants their cookies now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, all I want now is the Columbus Blue Jackets to score seven unanswered goals. You've been very, very clear that you are declaring this one over at six nothing. Yeah. And by virtue, you know, the result. All counts, the result. It, it should be, but I have never wanted the Columbus Blue Jackets to score seven goals in a game more than I want them to right now. Dave Thompson with a natural hat trick to end the first period, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he did so with his third goal on a five-on-three power play. That, that's how bad it's going for Columbus. They're down five nothing, and then they get penalized for a pair. And they're they're down a five on three, and Tage Thompson scores. Oh boy, oh boy! Uh, Sabers are fun to watch. Uh, they they don't defend great <laughs> yet, which is why I think Columbus can still score a few. Sure, but the uh, the actual win loss mystery going into this game is uh, is determined. <laughs> oh, uh, I hope not. The I NHL hope record not. the NHL record for points in the game is ten. Yeah, uh, with Daryl Sittler. Yep. Thompson only has four goals though, so he needs to he needs to add on to it a little bit. He's halfway there. All right. Uh, we also uh, have that consecutive point streak that uh, Mitch Marner is at. Twenty games, right? Yeah, twenty games. All right. The record is fifty-one. Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> uh, way back in nineteen eighty-four. Those that weren't around then, it was a surprise that ended at fifty-one. It wasn't that. Oh my goodness, he's he's stretching this out. This is crazy. When's it going to stop? It was a shock that it ended that night. And uh, back in 1984, it concluded against the Los Angeles Kings, who aren't the Los Angeles Kings of today, and uh, a couple of Stanley Cup championships. Uh, they were the worst team in the NHL. They had allowed a worst number of goals at that point of the season. And the goaltender that stopped the streak was Marcus Matson. Sure. Nothing to you. Yeah, but uh, but he had a cup of coffee in the NHL. He'd been recalled from the minors just eight days earlier, and then shut down <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. Here's this is the cool part. Wayner played the final five minutes, most of the final five <laughs> minutes, trying to get that in a four-two loss uh, yeah. that night. Now we've got Mitch Marner at twenty games. He's got the national or the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs record. Mm-hmm. Broke it. Uh, my buddy Eddie Olchuk was at the morning skate today. He's doing the TNT game tonight. Uh, 
that record was held by Daryl Sittler and Eddie Olchek for a long time. Here's, and it's impressive. He holds a consecutive point streak for an original six team. And Mitch Marner, I think, is Toronto's best player. I know the other guy scored 60, and oh. Nylander's great, and you've got uh, some good defensemen, but but 200-foot guy, Mitch Marner, and if Mitch Marner's not in the MVP conversation, I'll be shocked. And I've said this from day one, going back a number of years, in this market, in that market, uh, where I was. But the 20-game point streak is a little, I don't know, underwhelming. Yep. From a, from a totality. Mm-hmm angle. Mitch Marner hasn't had more than two points in a game. Mm-hmm. That shocks me. When I went through his point streak, I was waiting for the, the wacko game. Yep. The, the crazy game. The, the He hasn't had that. No. He's been, he's been really consistent. He's got a point in all but two games this season. Not bad. Again, I think he's their best all-around player. Was going to play defense for a while. <laughs> and still might. Yeah. Yeah. But to, to have a point in 20 straight games, but not have one of those wild, like, off-the-chart games yeah. is is borderline hard to believe. Yeah, it's it's funny because, like, Jason Robertson nearly had as many goals during his 18-game yeah. point streak as Mitch Marner had total points. Yeah. So, like... As as cool of an as an uh, of an accomplishment as it is for Mitch Marner, like it it is a, a lackluster streak because you're you're looking at 20 games. You're thinking, okay, so how many points 30? for Marner in in his 20 games? Uh it's just un, under 29, right? Okay, all right, that's that's more than a goal per game, but like 20, yeah. you're you're in the the totals in the 20s. Yeah. The games are in the 20s. Yeah, get this. Gretz in 1984 <laughs> in his 51 game point streak mm-hmm. had 61 goals yep. so more than a goal per game mm-hmm. had 92 assists in 51 games Wayner in 51 games had 153 points that yep. would win you comfortably the scoring title now and we should compare now to then uh, but it is getting a little bit closer. I'm glad about that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's wild. 153 points in 51 games. That's three points per game. Yeah. And yeah. Mitch is just over, just just over one. So it's it's a great streak, but the totality of it is kind of huh. well. It's 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 lackluster in that you're you're not producing the the points at the rate that I think a lot of people automatically assume over the course of a point streak right like you know you you look at the ability to to string those those games together and you have to imagine especially with how much Toronto scores and the players on that team and Austin Matthews and John Tavares and William Nylander that there's opportunity every single night for Mitch Marner to have two or three points a night and it's just it hasn't really Bared out that way over the course of this win streak, but or uh, the the point streak. But credit where credit's due, he's at least being consistent and putting you know his, his name on the score sheet every night. Let me be devil's advocate to you. Okay, is it even more impressive because he's had a bunch of games with one point, hasn't had that breakout game where he can just sit there comfortably. Uh, and, and just lighten it up and feeling great about himself. It's almost more impressive that he's just chipping away at it. 
No, no. If you've got a 20-game point streak, I want you in, like, the high 30s to, to 40 points. Like, I'm sorry. Give me a goal and an assist per game. Robertson's streak stopped yesterday. Boo. Uh, yesterday or Sunday? Was it Sunday? I can't remember what I was doing. No, it was, it was yesterday. They played, they played against yeah. each other. Uh, uh, so Robertson's team had a NHL record shot attempts at 93. Yeah. Most shot attempts while being shut out as wow. they lost to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, other stuff going on. Uh, Brock Besser. Hmm? Uh, still wondering about him. And there's some conversations taking place about Bo, Bo Horvat around the National Hockey League. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what's what's going to happen on that on that front. That's a that's a little bit of a a different one in the sense of what, what do they really want to accomplish with Vancouver? All all their players being mentioned either don't have contracts or have a couple of years left on contracts. And captains being uh, rumored and the agents involved uh, with that. It's it's rather a puzzling. Well, a, I, a lack of direction. I, I think that's been the the complaint about the Vancouver Canucks for a couple of seasons now. Is that you? You know, you go to the bubble, you you have a, a pretty good showing in, in the playoffs there, and I think you talk yourself into thinking that you're a little bit closer than you actually are, and and now you're chasing that. So, um, I I would like to believe that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine have kind of an idea of what will make this team better in the long run but if it's a little bit of a rebuild or a retool or whatever word you want to put on it you should try to do it now because you're 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 looking at you know Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen and and some of the younger younger talent on this team they're going to be going into their prime and right now with the collection of players you have around them but not get this salary cap is just it's killing them and that's why Besser may have to be moved why there's some conversation there with that. I mean, you, you didn't have to sign JT Miller to that contract. No, no. Uh, how about Patrick Kane? There's a lot of talk right now that the New York Islanders, Islanders could be the team to get in there. Like, listen, if if I'm choosing between the Islanders and the Rangers, at least the Islanders are in a playoff spot right now. I, listen, I, I don't care who gets Patrick Kane. I just want Patrick Kane to be traded. Because I think it's important for the Chicago Blackhawks to be able to get something for both Kane and Taves. I don't know that they're going to be able to pull off both. I don't even know that either guy is going to waive their no-trade clause. Yeah, well, they don't have to, right? But they don't. But the fact of the matter is, like, if you're the Chicago Blackhawks, understanding that that you're going to be rebuilding for a little while now, I think you absolutely have to find a way to move on from those two players and get something of value back in return. Yeah, that's best case scenario. Here's the problem. Unlike Claude Giroux in Philadelphia, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, they've won. Yeah, well. they won a couple. They've won three. Why so, not win another one? So there's there's that working. You're not chasing it with uh, with those guys and moving them. Yeah, yeah. logically, do you want to win? You yeah. want to win. Uh, but but they wouldn't be the first. Shane Dolan stayed in Arizona. He never he never yeah, won. Well. He stayed there. Uh, I don't know whether he. Re- that or not, uh, I'll have to ask Shane uh, at some point, uh, preferably when we're uh, in uh, really good moods and I get the the gumption to ask about the, <laughs> about that, but uh, but yeah, it's a great way to turn the conversation Taves and Kane they've won before, so it, I don't think it'll be as easy to make them uh, accept those 
waive those no-trade clauses. Uh, there's a, a little bit of an update for you. On one-timers for this Wednesday, December the... On Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So... A little bit of an interesting baseball story today. So they have this thing in Major League Baseball called the Rule 5 Draft. And yep. what that is and is is it is something in place so that teams don't stockpile a lot of really young players that could potentially be playing in the majors. So Yeah, you don't bury them. Yes. Yeah, so they do this every year during the winter meetings, which are taking place right now in San Diego. And the Philadelphia Phillies, reigning National League champions, they drafted a kid named Noah Song from the Boston Red Sox. Now, what makes Song an interesting prospect is he went to the United States Naval Academy, and he is currently a United States Naval officer. Now, when he was drafted just a couple of years ago, 2019, out of the Naval Academy, he was a phenomenal pitcher, led all sorts of or had all sorts of incredible records taking place at the Naval Academy with nine and three. Don't need to go into the stats, but... When he was drafted, because he went to the Naval Academy, he owed his military service to the country, right? That's the rule. You go to Air Force, Army, Naval Academy, you then have to serve in the military. So the Red Sox drafted him, hoping that he'd be able to get a waiver request. He did not get that request, and so now he spent the last couple of years in flight school, which he completed just in May. So now the Phillies take him in the Rule 5 draft, hoping that they will be able to cash in song was considered a first round talent but he slipped because of the uncertainty there's still some uncertainty but i always find it interesting and cool when when kids come out of those these service academies and they have the opportunity and they're the the the, like, the military is always like nope you owe us the service but maybe song will be able to to parlay his uh his his, his career in the majors and you know it's always an interesting story I, i'm always fascinated by those kids and i've told my son that if he has the opportunity to go to one of the military academies, that he should take advantage of it because, A, it's a free education. Now, granted, you do have to, um, no, you know. You're cert- earning your education. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not free as in you're, you don't owe anybody anything. You owe yeah. the military your service. But I'm always fascinated, and I always love supporting the, the – my dad was a Navy guy, so I always like rooting for the Naval Academy in football when they play Army, and that's taking place – this weekend, so go midshipman and. Uh, what uh, What did you say that he was doing in the uh, in the navy? He went to flight school. He's an officer, oh. but he went to flight school. So, so you know what that means? Uh, he's you know, an ace. No, 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 no. You know what his best weapon is? I don't even want to know. The high heat. Oh boy. <laughs> but I'm bum. Well, where's my <laughs> where's my rim shot? I I've got it. I just gotta find it. I have so what, many like, drops. What's that? You don't have it ready. And our hotkeys aren't working, so I can't even oh. play it. <laughs> but hold on, we 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 owe we owe everybody one thing. What's okay? that? Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. See, we didn't get it in yesterday. Yeah. So we we had to make up for lost time. Uh, my yep. daughter was uh, listening to the show. We were in the car uh, for a little bit, and uh, and she was like, "Those guys talk about you a lot." I'm like, eh, well, you are miss- part of the show. They just miss me. <laughs> They just really miss me. That's uh, all. Let's not let's not can jump confirm, to conclusions. Big shooter. Yeah, yeah. Can they just confirm. really miss me. And she said, well, why don't you phone? I said, 
Uh, I don't miss them. Yeah. Well, Not mine. Oh, we wouldn't have answered no, anyway. Yeah. Johnny Blue Checkmark over here. Johnny <laughs> Blue Checkmark. Hey, we got a big one for you tonight. The third straight game against the original 16th. We're looking forward to uh, this. Can the Vegas Golden Knights come back and keep on winning? 20th victory of the season on the line tonight for Vegas against seven losses and one other. Gerard Glenn and the New York Rangers, the opposition this evening. The pregame show with Ryan Wallace from T-Mobile starts on Fox Sports Las Vegas right now.